preaching, teaching on Wednesday nights, studying uh, from the book of James. And um, we're in this first chapter. And tonight, I want to deal with some very, very, very important verses of Scripture. We're going to be reading, beginning with verse number 21 and uh, down through verse 25. And I want to, I want to tonight, we want to talk about about welcoming the Word of God, receiving and welcoming the Word of God. How many, how many here tonight love the Word of God? I believe you do because I believe that's why you're here on Wednesday night because you love the Lord and you love the Word of God. And the Word of God is so, so vitally, vitally important to your life and to my life. Someone made this statement, and I wrote it down the other day, and uh, it said, What you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. What you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I want God to do good things with me. Amen. I want the blessing of the Lord in my life. And, and, you know, how, how we treat the Bible, and I believe you could, I believe you could say this uh, and not, not do any, any, any harm to the Scriptures, but how we treat the Word is how we treat the Lord because He is, Jesus is the living Word, and this is the written Word. God said, God said I, I, that He honors His Word above His name. And so God, uh, God's Word is important to our life. And uh, it's important, it's, it's the most important thing to you as a Christian, as a believer, is to hide the Word of God in your heart. This is your road map. This is your, um, your manual for life right here. Are you listening to me? You got to have this. This is, this is what, what is the acronym? Basic Instruction Before Leaving Earth. B-I-B-L-E. And that's what this is. Amen. So we need this word. So look with me tonight in the book of James, in the first chapter of James, verse 21. And uh, I'm reading from the King James, and uh, this 21st verse has got some King James English in it that uh, we'll need to clarify, but he says this, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and that word superfluity means an overflow or a residue. And uh, the New King James says it like this. It says, laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. So all, all overflow of wickedness. And notice this. And receive with meekness the engrafted word or the implanted word. You know, Jesus likened the Word of God in the parable of the sower to seed that was sown in soil, seed that was sown in various soils. And James is doing the same thing here because he's talking about the engrafted or the implanted Word of God. And he said, Receive with meekness the implanted, engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers, but be ye... Doers, can you say that? Doers, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a 
hearer of the word and not a doer. Now everybody's sitting here tonight, I'm pretty sure y'all, everybody's awake. So yeah, you know, I checked, everybody's looking at me, all right? So you're hearing the word, but that's not enough. It's good you're hearing, you need to hear and listen, but you also, you got to be not just a hearer only, but a doer of the word and not a hearer only, verse 21 or 22, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh, into the perfect law of liberty. And that word looketh there means to gaze, to look intently into the perfect law of liberty. And notice this continues therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man, this man shall be blessed. And see, here, here it tells you right here how you, how you treat the Word of God. What you do with the Word of God is what God will do to you. If you make the Word a priority in your life, what does He say there? For this man or woman or individual shall be blessed in his or her deed. Well, that's kindly shouting ground right there. Amen? Hallelujah. So here in this, in this passage that we've, that we've read to you tonight, James is dealing with our relationship to the Word of God. And I want to say this to begin with tonight, just in my introduction, my introductory remarks this evening, that, that you will never be a growing Christian without a knowledge of the Bible. Amen? And I'm sure that tonight every one of you here want to be a growing Christian. I know Glenn does because he came in here tonight and told me, he said, I'm, I'm ready to receive what God's got for me tonight. Amen. He knew God had a blessing for him. He said, I'm here, I'm ready. And so I believe that, I believe you honestly that all of us here tonight want to grow. And uh, the Bible says that the Word of God is food for our soul. So if we want to be a growing Christian, we've got to have a knowledge of the Bible. Someone gave this little poem and said, These hath God married, and no man shall part. If there's dust on the Bible, there'll be drought in your heart. And so we know that, that we've got, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of Christians tonight's got dust on the Bible. Amen? And, uh, but I think it's time that we dust off our Bible and, and we get it in our heart. I've got a little, little plaque in my office that uh, I've, got, I've got all kinds of Bibles, my wife can tell you. I've, I have a collection of Bibles. I'm always collecting them. I'm always buying new ones. And, and, uh, but I have some old ones in there that are pretty ratted and torn and have been used a lot. And I've got a little plaque on top of those two Bibles that, said that, that says that, uh, that, that a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who's not. Amen. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone that's not. And so if you've got a Bible and you've got the dust off of it and you've, it's well worn and it's well used and you've hidden that word in your heart and it's become a part of you, I'm going to tell you what, when those troubles come and those trials come and those fiery, you go through those fiery furnaces, there's going to be one thing that's going to see you through all of that and that is God 
God's holy word that you have taken time to plant in your heart and in your soul. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. So we need not only just to hear the word, but we need to do the word. Amen? And the Word of God's not going to do you any good. There's much good that is in it if you, don't, if you don't put it in your heart and put it in your life. Do you realize that, you, that a person can, can backslide with a Bible under their arm? They can backslide carrying a Bible to church with them every Sunday if they never take time to read it and to get it in their heart and life. Now, I believe, I personally believe, and I, you know, and I believe because, not just because that God's called me to preach and I'm, I, I'm a pastor, but I believe that the preaching of the Word of God is serious business. And, uh, you know, we can't take that lightly. James talks about it a little later on, I think, in the third chapter of James when he says don't desire to be many teachers because teachers are going to be judged with a greater judgment. And uh, so God takes, takes the preaching of the Word very seriously, and it's a very, very serious business. But can I tell you that not only is the preaching and teaching of the Word of God a serious business, but the hearing and the listening of the Word to the Word of God and the receiving of the Word of God is a serious business as well. What I'm doing tonight and teaching you the Bible is serious, but you sitting here, you, you, you're hearing it and applying it to your life is serious as well. It's, it's important for you to read the Word and to study the Word, but it's also important for you to take that Word and apply it to your heart and life, and we'll see a little bit about that in just a few minutes. So, so it's important that we, that we hear and receive the Word of God. Now James said here, to receive the, the implanted Word of God, the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your souls. Now, um, you know, he mentioned in the 18th verse, and we talked about this last week or week before, where he talked about in that 18th verse how that we have been, uh, that God has birthed us, birthed us or begotten us with the word of, of truth. We became new creatures. We were born again. Peter said we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. So hearing the word, Believing the Word, acting on the Word of God, got you into the family of God and the kingdom of God. You were born again. And so here, the, 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 the writer here, James, is, is saying that, that this Word, to receive the Word of God, will, will, will save your soul. Now, now here he's talking, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers He's talking to individuals that have already been saved, but he's saying, receive the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Well, if they're already saved, if they've already been begotten by the Father, if they're already born again, do they need to get saved all over again? What's he talking about? If you're here tonight saved, do you need to get saved again? Amen. Amen. But yes, and but there's something he's talking about here when he's talking about the saving of the soul. Now, there salvation in salvation and in uh, your salvation, my salvation. Salvation is actually in three different tenses. 
There are three tenses to salvation. Now, what do you mean, Brother Rick? What do you mean by, by three tenses? There's the past tense, the present tense, and the future tense. The past tense of salvation is this, that we have been, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. The present tense of salvation is that we are being saved from the power of sin. There's a, there's a continuation of, of this going on, you know, in our life. It's called sanctification. We have been saved through what Jesus did for us at the cross. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are born again. Your sins are washed away. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. All your past is gone. Amen. It, it, it's all over. You're, you're a brand new man man, woman in Jesus Christ. And so the penalty of sin, the guilt of sin has all been removed. You've been saved from the penalty of sin. But you know what? That's just the beginning of your journey because every single day you are being saved from the power of sin. Amen? There is sin to be overcome. There is a, a process of sanctification that's going on in your life. So we have been saved from the penalty we are being saved from the power of sin. How many knows that in, in Romans 6, he said, Paul taught in Romans 6 and said, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. God doesn't just save us and leave us in our sin, but thank God the Bible said, the angel said to, to Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. We're in that process process of being saved every day and delivered from the power of sin in our life. And there's things every day in your life and mine that we have to overcome and draw closer to Jesus and gain victory over. And the only way we're going to gain that victory is we've got, here's the saving of our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotion is by receiving the implanted and grafted Word of Almighty God. Amen. You have been saved from the penalty of sin. You are being saved from the power of sin. And the future tense is one day soon we will be saved from the presence of sin and from the possibility of sin. Come on, somebody. Woo, we're getting out of here and going, that, that old song, Stepping on the Clouds. Remember that, that old gospel song? Amen. Rise to meet him in the air. Stepping on the clouds. Going where the devil, there's a part of that song that says, I'm going where the devil cannot find me. Hallelujah. Going to a place where there is no more sin. Having a glorified body and saved from the very presence and possibility of sin. So that is the tenses of sin. Well, what are our salvation? Salvation. So what James is saying here is that the saving of the soul is equivalent to the, the, the renewing or the transformation of your thinking, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You, every, every person, is a, is a, tri, a, a triune being we are. We are a, we're, a, we're spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that right? 
In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul said uh, he prayed that the God of peace would sanctify you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy. And he prayed for your, he said, I pray that your whole, whole spirit uh, and soul and body be preserved blameless into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're spirit being with a soul and living in a body. And the spirit and the soul make up the, the, um, the inward man, the hidden man of the heart, as the, the apostle Peter talked of. You're, you're, the real you is a spirit, is spirit with a soul living in a body. Amen? One day this body will die and lay down and be put in a grave if the Lord tarries, but the soul and spirit, the real you, will live on. But the soul is uh, the Greek word, is suke, where we get our word psyche from. And it means uh, it's the part of us that makes up our, our mind, will, and emotions. So the mind and the will and the emotions have to come under the control of the implanted, engrafted Word of God. Is anybody with me tonight? Is anybody getting this tonight? It's like reprogramming the computer. When a person receives the word and gets born again, their spirit man, their inner man is changed and you're born again on the inside. We talked about that here a while back. Remember I said, if you got brown eyes and brown hair, when you get born again, you get up, you still got brown eyes, brown hair. There wasn't nothing changed about that, amen? But what changed was what changed on the inside. Your, your spirit man became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You were made anew in Christ, hallelujah. You received that eternal life. I talked about Sunday, the life and the nature of God on the inside of you, amen? But, but, but there has to be, but see, it didn't do anything about your mind. You're thinking. Your mind has to be, how many times does the Bible talk about the renewing of our mind? And it's like reprogramming the computer. Because you know what we still got after we get born again? If we don't know anything about the Word of God, we still have stinking thinking. You know, so, so you have to be, that's why it is so important to be taught the Bible and to read the Word of God and to, to, to hide the Word in your heart and to learn the Scriptures, amen? Because, because the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions have got to come to the place where they're controlled by the Word of God if you and I are going to know how to live and to live in victory, amen? We don't know what, we wouldn't know how we're supposed to live. We wouldn't know anything about the promises of God. Even though we were born again, even though we had the Holy Spirit living in us, something has to be done about this. Yeah, this, this, that your thought life has got to, got to come in line as well with the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So, so that has to come. If you and I are going to live in victory and if we're going to walk in the, in, the, in, the, in the ways that we should walk and live the way God wants us to live, then we've got to reprogram the computer because the old carnal mind is enmity against God. The old carnal mind, to be carnally minded, is death. That mind, Your mind's got to be renewed to the Word of God so that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you 
will know what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. How are you going to know the will of God unless you reprogram the computer and the only way to do that is to know the word of God and know the scripture to welcome the implanted word of God into your heart and life. And so that's how important, and forgive me for preaching, I'm trying to, this is supposed to be teaching night, but, but yeah. so, thank you, Glenn. Say, he said, it's all good, pastor, no problem. So I'll just go on, amen? So, but I want you to get this. And so he said, receive, I'm still in my introduction, so we probably won't get done tonight. He said, receive, I haven't even got to point one yet. Receive the engrafted Word of God. Now that word receive is, an, is, a, is a good word right there. Because the meaning of that word, the Greek, in the Greek that word has the meaning of to welcome someone as a guest into your home. To throw the door open, you know, you're glad to see them, you know, when you got a guest. You know, it's not a bill collector, you're not hiding. But it's a guest and you just open up the door and say, come on in. And you welcome that individual, that person into your home. And that's what that word receive has the meaning of. So what he's saying here, James is saying, that we've got to welcome the word. If we want the saving of our soul, the transforming of our mind, the renewing of our mind, the reprogramming of our computer, so we're thinking in line with the, with the word of God and believing in line. Listen, you're thinking, how you think and how you believe will affect how you live. Amen. Won't it? So that's why we've got to, we've got to, we've got to reprogram our, our thinking with the Scripture, with the Word of God. There's so much poison. There's so many people that have poison thinking today. Just turn the TV on. Turn the news on. Listen to all that spew. Well, don't listen to it. It just discourages you. Amen? But, but, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of wrong thinking and, and wrong ideas. And, and listen, the only absolute truth, there still is absolute truth. It doesn't make any difference. What people say today, there is still absolute truth, and it's right here in the pages in between the covers of this old Bible, this old black Bible. Amen? So, so that's how we come to the, the saving, the transforming of our mind and our thinking. And uh, right thinking will lead to right acting and right behavior. Because if you think something's right, even if it's wrong and you're thinking wrong and you're doing something wrong, thinking it's right, you're still wrong. That's right. Amen. Amen. I don't know how that all come out, but it did. <laughs> Amen. So he says that we need to receive the implanted Word of God. So the engrafted or implanted Word of God. So we're welcoming the Word into our life. When you sit here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and I'm up here hollering and screaming and spitting and sputtering, Praise God. <laughs> yeah. Now these guys, these run the risk when you set up here, don't you? You're <laughs> Amen. But, but, but when I'm doing that and you're sitting here, you, you need to be welcoming what he said. Help me along. Preach. Pastor Rick. Amen. All right. 
But I want to, I want to, that's what I said, we ain't, ain't going to get done tonight. But there's four ways, there are four ways that is given in this text that we can welcome the Word of God. So let me, let me see here. We probably get one maybe or two. One or two. I don't want to hold you too long. But, but I wanted to lay this foundation so, so you'll get where we're at, Okay. We've got to welcome the Word of God to transform our, our, our thinking and our, and, our, and our behavior and our life. And the Word will do that. Jesus likened it to seed that was sown on so, in different kinds of soils in, in Matthew chapter 13. And so there was, you know, there was, there was, uh, there was wayside soil that, that was hard, that represented a hard heart that didn't receive anything. There was, there, was, uh, there was stony ground, remember that? That the seed got in and it sprouted up uh, for a little while, but, but when the sun came up or when temptation and testing came, it, it, it withered away because it didn't have any root. There was thorny ground that the, that the seed was sown and the thorns grew up within around the seed and the plant came up, but the thorns choked it out and, and it didn't bear any fruit. And Jesus said the thorns, the thorns were the, were the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures and lusts for other things. So it's other things that came in and choked the word out. But then he said there was, there was soil that was good ground and some of that seed fell on the good ground and it brought forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Everybody didn't, everybody didn't bring forth 100 fold, but thank God there was fruit being uh, coming forth. Amen. And I know in every church and in every service there's that ground that's not receiving anything. There's that ground that the, that the, the word's getting choked out. There's that ground and, and, and you know as a pastor you, sometimes you'll focus on, on the negative, on people that's not getting nothing, but oh my Lord, we need to focus on that, 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 that good ground, that 25%, that fourth of those that are getting something, that are bearing fruit. Thank God, thank God. I don't know how many times when I've been discouraged and I've been thinking, well, I don't think I'm doing any good. Somebody inevitably will come up and say, Pastor, you have helped me. You have encouraged me. You have preached something that's lifted me up. And I'm thinking, praise God, there's that 25% that's bearing, bringing forth some fruit, amen, in their life. It's welcoming and receiving the seed of the Word of God in their life. And so the first way, number one, how do you welcome the Word of God into your heart and life? Number one, you have to welcome the Word of God with a repentant heart. A repentant heart or a repentant spirit. And I know that you don't hear a whole lot on that word or subject. As a matter of fact, there are churches today that will not allow anybody to preach on repentance. But Jesus preached on repentance. John the Baptist preached repentance. The disciples of Jesus preached repentance. The apostle Paul preached repentance. And we have been commissioned to preach repentance. Amen. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and be baptized. Repent, you know, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Nobody can be saved unless they repent and believe the gospel and accept Jesus. Well, Brother Rick, I've repented. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm already saved. Well, me too. I had to repent 
to get saved, right? What does it mean to repent? It means to what? Turn around and go the other way, go the other direction. It means to do an about face, a 180. Somebody said, well, you do a 360. No, if you do a 360, you're still going the same direction. You, you do a 180, you turn around, you're going, you, stop, you, 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 you turn away from sin, you turn away from Satan, you turn away from darkness, you turn away from the devil and the things of this world, and you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's a change in your life. You're renouncing the things of the world, renouncing the sins of the world, and you're saying, Jesus, I don't want that anymore. I repent of my past life. I turn to my back on it and I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior and I repented to get to get born again but you know what since I, in all the years I've been saved and been born again I've repented more I've repented more since I've been a Christian than I did before I was a Christian I know I know there's those that teach today, well, you don't have to repent of sin. After you get saved, if you sin, you know you don't ever have to repent. If you sin after you get saved, some say you don't ever have to ask for forgiveness. But the Bible doesn't teach that. We're not to sin. But sometimes we do. John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he said, My little children, I write these things to you that you sin not. Then he followed that up by saying, and if any man sin, anyone sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Aren't you glad for the advocate, your lawyer? Woo, the propitiation for our sins. And so he said that if we sin, we confess our sins, and, and he's faithful and just to forgive us. So to receive, to, to, um, to, to receive the word of God into your heart to welcome the Word, you need to welcome the Word with a repentant heart, with a clean heart, right? What's the first thing? You, you get a call from somebody that you're getting company, ladies. Are you going to start cleaning stuff up? Huh? Running a sweeper and putting things away and, you know, getting things in order because company's coming. You're going to welcome somebody in your home and you want to make a good impression. You want it to be clean. Well, don't you think that we ought to be that way with our, with our spiritual life? If we're going to welcome the Word of God into our heart, that it needs to be, we, you know, our, our, house, our house needs to be clean and be in order. Can I get an Amen. Why, what did he say here? Now he's talking about, James is, about, about receiving the word, the engrafted word of God. And he says in verse 21, lay, up, lay apart uh, all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. He says to lay some things aside. What? Lay aside filthiness. Lay aside that which would defile, that which would be unclean. Put it aside. Repent of it. Clean up. Receive the Word in a clean heart and in a clean life. Hallelujah. The overflow, the surplus... That word superfluity there in the King James Version. We use that word just about every day, don't we? <laughs> but
but it means the overflow or the surplus of defilement or, wick or wickedness. Now, when, when, you get, when you got born again and you got saved, you, your life changed, but there was still, even after the new birth, like I said, your spirit got born again, but you're still in the same old flesh, right? And you got to learn then to what? To walk in the Spirit so that you're not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the flesh. And so there's, there, was, there was still, and there still is. Are, are you listening to me tonight? There still is. I don't care how long you've been saved. There still is a residue or a surplus of that old man that surfaces in your life every once in a while. That has to be dealt with. That has to be kept under, subdued and kept under. Amen? And, and James here, that's what he's talking about. Lay that uncleanness, anything that's sinful, anything that's defiling, lay it aside and, and, and receive and welcome in the Word of God that will show you how to live, ride and walk in victory and live in victory. Praise God. I think about the, uh, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. We're all familiar with that. What a powerful miracle. Lazarus got sick. They called for Jesus. He didn't come. He waited four days. And Lazarus died. They had his funeral. They put him in the grave. So Jesus gets there four days later. How many knows when, it's, when Jesus is four days late, he's still on time? I think there's a song that says that. But he comes in four days late. Lazarus has been in the grave four days. He's began, already his body's began to decompose. And uh, so Jesus has told Mary and Martha, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Because they was all over Jesus saying, you, it's your fault, you should have been here. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He'd still be alive. You could have stopped him from dying, but you didn't. Jesus said, if you'll believe, your brother will rise again. Well, I know he will in the last day at the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If any man believe in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. And anyone that lives and believes in me shall never die. So you've got to believe that. And so when Jesus told them to roll the stone away, they said to Jesus, No, he's been dead four days. By now he stinks. Yeah, the King James, he stinketh. He's decomposed. He's rotting. He's stinking. Death is in that tomb. Decay is in that tomb. And Lazarus in that tomb, dead four days, is a picture, is a type of you and me and every, everybody on this planet that is dead in trespasses and sin. And we are all have all at one time been dead in trespasses and sin. 
Paul talked about it in Ephesians chapter 2. He said that he has quickened us or given life to us or made us alive. Those who were dead in trespasses and sin. Glory to God, he's resurrected us to walk in newness of life. That was displayed in the water baptism the other night. Buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. Dead and resurrected. And he was dead in trespasses and sin. And Lazarus is in that tomb and he's dead. And Jesus stands there and he says, roll the stone away. And they roll the stone away. And and the Lord stands there. And everybody's standing there looking, wondering what's going to happen. I can imagine there there was some dudes standing along the side there watching. And they said, you think he's coming out? And the other guy said, no, he ain't coming out. I helped bury him. That dude is dead. He ain't no way. He's coming out of that tomb. But Jesus stood there and called him by name. And Jesus said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And immediately, all of a sudden, they heard some some commotion going on inside of that sepulcher. And all of a sudden, here comes Lazarus out of the tomb. He's resurrected. He's alive. He He was dead, but now he's alive. He was buried, but now he's alive. But he comes out, jumping out of there, bound up, wrapped up in grave clothes. Amen. Where they had bound him up in grave clothes, there was still a part of death on him. There was still the grave clothes on him. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. He told the disciples, I've raised him from the dead. Now he's got life, but he's got to be loosed from the the remnants or the rudiments or the the surplus of that death that was on him. Does anybody anybody know what I'm talking about? We're in that process. There's, listen, you may be born again tonight and I hope everybody in here is, but there's still some grave clothes that that parts of that old life, that it's a lifelong process that we've got to be stripped of, that we've got to be loose from. Come on, somebody. That, That residue and overflowing, that surplus of wickedness that God wants to deliver us from and we repent and we receive the word and we get more like Jesus and we get more and more and more transferred, transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's work, it's working in us. He's working in us. Thank, you, Woo. Thank God I'm not what I, I'm not what I used to be. But I'm not yet what I'm gonna be. I'm still a work in progress. Woo. Not perfect yet. We'll be at the trumpet. I still make mistakes. I still mess up. I still have to say, Lord, forgive me. Amen? That's a part of that Lord's prayer, that we pray the pattern of prayer that He's given us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. When that prodigal son came home, came out of that pig pen, came back to father's house, when the father saw him coming, man, he had on old filthy rags. 
He had been in the pig pen. He had been in the slop. He stunk. He was nasty. He was dirty. But when his father saw him coming over, the, over that hill, the Bible said he didn't even wait for him to get there, but the father ran to him and embraced him and all that mess he was in and put his arms around him and planted a kiss on him and welcomed him back into the family. Hallelujah. But then you know what he did? He said, go bring me a best, the best robe in the house. Get a ring and some new shoes. Hallelujah. And he changed his garments. He changed his clothes. He stripped off those old remnants of death and of, uh, of sin and he put some new clothes on him. Amen. Lay aside those, those, those old, that old life. Lay aside those old clothes and strip away everything that's not like Jesus and receive the implanted word of God that will save your soul, that will change your life, that will turn you around, that will make you different, amen? It'll cause you to grow and get more and more and more like Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, that's point one. So receive or welcome the Word of God with a repentant heart, laying aside the overflow of wickedness, anything in our life that's not pleasing to God. Strip it off, lay it aside, and receive the Word of God. Now let me close with this thought. That word filthiness, laying aside all filthiness, it's a word, a Greek word that means impurity and defilement. But it comes from a root word in the Greek that means, that has the meaning of Wax in the ears. Earwax. Anybody know what earwax is? I was talking to a guy not too long ago. He, he had called me and I tried to return his call and he said, I'm in the doctor's office, I'll call you back. And when he called me back, he said, I was in the doctor's office. He said, I, I get to where I can't hear and I have to go and they clean the buildup of earwax out of my ears. And he said, boy, when they do that, I can hear so much better. And when I read that, that that word filthiness came from a root word that meant the wax in the ear or earwax, I thought, you know what? That's exactly what happens. When we allow sin in our lives and, and fail or refuse to repent of sin that the Lord shows us of, it's just like a buildup it's a defilement, just like a buildup of earwax in the ears, and it prevents us from hearing what the Lord is trying to say to us through the Word of God. Because you can't receive fresh, new revelation from the Word until you live out and act on what the Lord has already showed you. And there's some people today that, that their ears, spiritual ears are so clogged up that they don't hear anything that the, that the pastor, the preacher, or the Word has to say to them. Come on, amen? amen. So we have got to, we've got to cleanse ourselves. 
keep ourselves clean, to hear the Word of God. That old, that old chorus we used to sing, Here's my cup, Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. Well, how many know the Lord is not going to fill a dirty cup? That's right. Hallelujah. Maybe, maybe we need to be singing, Cleanse my cup, Lord. I've messed it up, Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> cleanse that. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Search me. Examine me. Amen. Uh, singers, come on back up. I'm, I'm going to close here.